R-Truth. This is Jesse Bushdigan coming back to you. We're going to be talking about narcissists and the dating that we try after our narcissistic relationship. So you may think that the narcissist is bonding to you. You may believe the deep connection, love flow, reciprocally between you both. In the case of sexual relationship with the narcissist, the bonds on their side do not exist in the same way. And the sharing of sex for connection is not what it appears to be. The narcissist uses sex to gain a feeling of power. Meanwhile, because of the emotional bonding coupled with the body and the brain chemicals, we grow deeper connection to them. Likely the love bomb devalue cycle in other areas of your relationship with a narcissist will happen and trauma bonds will take hold as well further complicate things. Lack of empathy means lack of intimate connection. Without empathy, the narcissist cannot put themselves in the place of others and find deep connection that us empaths feel, right? They also are ego-driven people and view sex not as a way to bond, but as a way to pretty much possess you, just like you are a, you know, plaything or a toy. The narcissist may seem like attentive lovers at first. That appears to be giving pleasure for the benefit of you, their partner. But as the relationship continues and masks come off, it can become clear that this is not the case. This has become the narcissist never had any intention of giving them to you. They had the drive only to please themselves and to make you react to them in a sexual way, which fuels their ego and gives them supply. The way the narcissist uses sex creates an imbalance of power. In a relationship where you are becoming fulfilled with trust and intimacy, they are remaining self-oriented and using the vulnerability of intimacy to gain control. This power can always, always have the intent of their main sexual drive of the narcissist. Intimacy felt what was once yours and once under their sexual control in this way, the power becomes abuse and is a factor in a deeper trauma bonding. Now, sex is a supply, ladies and gentlemen. These are ways that the narcissist gains supply through sex. For one, they hear our words of love and gain supply. It's like direct feedback to the narcissist they have secured as supply. We are fully bonded to these people. Almost like a spiritual uh, awakening in sexual intimacy. Narcissist always feeds off of the oxytocin and dopamine high, both their own and yours, that sex floods our brains with and our bodies with. These chemicals that are released are powerful feel-good and bonding chemicals and leave you feeling satisfied, yet wanting more, so it deepens the connection to the partner. We know that all attention is supply to a narcissist and seems to be the heightened supply because of the intense feeling it creates in you. Now, objectification. Objectification of all people is common for narcissists. They see us as objects, right? For their own gain, their own pleasure. Maybe even so as to far as eventually uh, make you feel like a sex doll or they are, they are just using you for sex. Like you are expected to perform in a certain way lacking all authentic and spontaneous behavior on your part. Or maybe like you're not even there. Basically, a narcissist is having sex with themselves and using you as an object to complete the sex act. 
as well as gaining further power over you. This, when combined with trauma bond, can create a cognitive dissonance during sex. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what cognitive dissonance is, I had this question the other day in one of my safe rooms where someone thought it was almost like gaslighting. Well, it's not. What it is is cognitive dissonance is the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. So an example of cognitive dissonance is causing feelings of unease and tension, and people attempt to relieve this discomfort in in different ways. Examples include explaining things away or rejecting new information that conflicts with with their existing beliefs. So in simple terms, it's used to describe the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, values, or attitudes at the same time. People tend to seek consistency in these attitudes and perceptions so that this conflict causes feelings of unease or discomfort. And in these sexual relationships, you can have these very often. Have you ever felt empty and ended up in tears during sex with a narcissist? Knowing intuitively something is not right, but feeling connection and love at the same time can cause that empty feeling and leave you silently crying. Being objectified is not being intimate or cared for or at all. It's pretty much emotional abuse. You know, when, when you have sex and then the after part is usually the cuddling part or, you know, you, you just lay there with each other naked or you just, you have a moment my narcissist would have sex with me and then just go right back into her phone or just get up and go to the bathroom and never come back. It was just sex. It was never intimacy. The deeper we feel a connection through sex, the further the power is taken from us or, you know, is stolen by the narcissist. They use their own supply to manipulate you. They do this in many ways. You know, forcing you to cross personal boundaries and go beyond the comfort zone. Demanding sex when it's not wanted. Threaten to leave if sex is not up to their expectation at that moment. Withholding sex. Forced or non-consexual sex. Objectifying, shaming, depersonalizing. I have had many of these. And these are sex bonds. Having a narcissist for a partner can leave you feeling very emotionally alone, even though they are there. The isolation and loneliness when in a sexual relationship with a narcissist can be so completely devastating, you literally change and seem to lose vital parts of yourself. Having your intimacy abused not only diminishes the feelings of empowerment you may feel, but damages self-worth. Having the natural and beautiful part of being an empath, your ability to bond with love and empathy expressed through sex and intimacy, not only unreciprocated, but used as a point of power and control against you, can leave you feeling like it is now hard to trust that person. You may even feel naive or foolish for having trusted. Feelings of guilt, shame, and anger may also be present. These are normal ways to feel after having your intimacy used and abused, especially after they hoover you back into the relationship after you've been discarded. 
Now is the time to understand exactly what took place and use active self-care to find the healing involved so that these don't happen again. So that you're not hoovered back in the relationship, the sexual bonds happen again, the trauma bond happens again, and then we can move on from these people and start dating. Now, I, I got into the sexual part first to understand the dating part after. Because dating after a narcissist, right, is a very, very, very hard thing to do. You know, learning about personality disorders, domestic violence, the legal system, unlearning all the lies that made up the bedrock of a marriage or relationship, learning to feel valuable again, unlearning the pattern of placing blind trust in a stranger. Despite original view of the world, sometimes people are simply not good. For the first time in about a year and a half after leaving the ex, well actually after I was discarded, I haven't dated at all. I remain laser focused on willing to let my body or mind desire a partner. I refuse to become swept up in the new relationship uh, stigma of, you know, the love bombing again or having some, you know, um, toxic person come back into my life, right? I started reconnecting with myself, my children, trying to anyway, and in people whom I now call friends, like Laura Taylor and Anna, so many that I hold dear, Hillary Merrick, Tina Durbin, love those people because they've gotten me through this toxic time. I also built virtual friendships with other people going through similar situations, like my rooms. In the past summer, I downloaded a few dating apps. You know, I started swiping. You know, call it an exercise in, in vulnerability to see if I was ready. And relearning to make that small talk and answering benign questions. Uh, what do you like to do for fun? What kind of music do you like? What's your favorite movie? which never seemed to add up to the grandiosity of the narcissist. You know, I scanned through photo after photo of women holding, you know, you know, beer and, and doing all these things like hiking, even though we live in Canada and we only have summer three months of the year, but apparently everyone loves to camp. It seems so ridiculous to me. You know, I, I swiped right. Sometimes I chatted with people. Admittedly, though, I was a newbie in the post-narcissist dating world. And currently in my first not-actual relationship, you know, I see someone, but again, not sure where it stands since leaving my narcissist. I keep thinking constantly about how to date after experiencing such abuse and discussing it at length with, you know, friends and therapists. After spending years spinning on the narcissist's tilt-a-whirl. I still have a whole hell of a lot to figure out. I have so much healing to do and so much inner child work. But about relationships and love and about the recovery and the trauma, for now, let's talk about dating post-narcissists that are especially relevant for solo people getting out of these. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, read up on the red flags and remember the beginning. We were all sucked in by the narcissist at some point. 
If you're like me, you can identify the timing and the circumstances that sent chaos into motion. I can pinpoint exactly when it began to feel negative. The indications about my ex and when I started to ignore them, as well as the moment that I was pulled in further and the point of no return. Had I known the red flags of the narcissistic abuse or narcissist personality, I may have avoided seven years of hell. And when I started dating again, I made sure to imprint them in my mind. What follows is a crash course on the red flags, ladies and gentlemen, into the abusive personality. But please do research on your own for a more comprehensive list, please. Look, beware of flashy, showy, bigger-than-life people. Beware of people that make the following statement. I've never met anyone like you before. He's like a magnet, right? I can't explain it. I'm just so drawn to him. And never ever fall for the you are my end game or you are my twin flame or soulmate in the first two months, ladies and gentlemen. Beware of the words I love you on the first, second, third date, even all the way up to three months. In general, beware of stated commitment that seems unmatched with the amount of time you've been dating. Remember that romanticism without an emotional center is love bombing, the first step in a narcissist cycle. This should absolutely send all alarm bells and you are not crazy for picking up on this. Beware of too many exes. Remember that every ex before them will be crazy and have some sort of way of making them seem to be just terrible people. Every single one of them. They will never hold accountability for themselves and they will never, ever, ever say they did anything wrong in the relationship and hold accountability for themselves in any way, which is in generally an indication of how your relationship is going to go. The narcissist will never say they've done anything wrong or admit that they've done anything wrong to you. So if they can't do this to a previous ex and all they're doing is saying that they're crazy, there's obviously a red flag there. And that literally, you'll know, you'll know it when you hear it. Most of us have some, you know, negative relationship experience. But if every single relationship has exploded into dysfunction, if all of their exes are crazy, and especially if they don't seem to own any of the responsibility, run like hell. Beware of expression that may insinuate a disrespect for others. Be watchful of the way they treat service workers. Notice how they speak about them. Your body knows, so be sure to, to body scan as frequently as possible. If only there could be a neon sign levitating above all prospective new partners. That would literally help us all, right? <laughs> My ex would have read narcissist. Literally, sociopathic covert narcissist. After it ended, I was terrified that all potential new partners, friends, or colleagues could be narcissists. I felt danger everywhere. Literally, it's like, you know, that uh, Roddy Roddy Piper movie, 
right? He had the glasses. I think it was They Live or something like that. And he put on the glasses and he saw the real world around him. And once we start, you know, researching narcissism and all the things that go into this, honestly, we start seeing them everywhere. All I have to say is thank goodness for my therapist at the time who taught me about, you know, the narcissistic cycles and, you know, what my ex was. One of the things we are not taught is to hone the relationships between our bodies and our minds. Our bodies have an immense amount of intuition stored inside of them. When I was being caught by my ex-narcissist, my body was reacting in a significant way. It was basically screaming at me to avoid him, to disconnect, to run like hell. Had I known to trust that, I may have ran. Thankfully, my eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapist taught me how to constantly take note of my body, especially in a new or vulnerable situation, such as dating or meeting new people. Sometimes I might, you know, feel lightness in the chest, you know, uh, you know, you, you get around your narcissist and you just feel tense or you'd get that sick stomach in your in, sick feeling in your stomach or you literally start having anxiety attacks or, or hyperventilating because you're about to see this person. I remember going into into court and my heart could have burst out of my chest just in the thought of seeing this person. These are physical messages from your body to your brain. Some of them are love letters conveying that a situation is safe and pleasurable. And some are warnings to back up, slow down, and take stock in the situation. Spend a lot of time remembering who you are. This is a big one that we let them take who we are. Being in a relationship with a narcissist is extremely damaging to a person's sense of self. Over the course of this toxic relationship, the narcissist will attempt to take over as many of his victim's personal preferences, feelings, and opinions as possible. For example, you know, suppose I always loved orange juice, but the narcissist spent years telling me that I actually prefer apple juice. Buying at the grocery store, commenting to others about how much I just love apple juice, I'm likely to become incredibly confused. After enough gaslighting, psychological manipulation that causes you to start questioning your own sanity, I will prob- probably forget all about liking orange juice and go and start liking apple. It happens all the time. Nothing is off limits for a narcissist. As many tiny pieces that he can pull he or she can pull away from the from the victim or survivor, the more effective his main agenda will be, which is to basically steal your soul. And I'm not kidding. Whether it be juice or something more significant, such as infidelity or financial coercion, the experience of being gaslit is traumatic. Not only is it a trespass of our own personal bubble, or just us as a human being, but is it a trespass on your perception of reality? Well, it can be incredibly hard to unlearn these forced preferences, right? Can be done. And I don't mean to sound dramatic when I say this, but it must be done to reclaim your life and yourself. It's taken me a year and a half and I'm not even close to feeling that great about it yet. But once I did these things and I started, no matter how long it's going to take, you know, it's like, it's like 
getting up back off a bicycle, you know, it takes time after you haven't rode one in, in years. You know, the truth about dating after narcissism is, is it's not the people that are around us. It's, it's our own insecurities, our own fears, and our own trauma bond or, or trauma triggers that go into this. So take the time to heal. I can't stress this enough. Our society has conditioned us to quickly get over someone by getting under someone else. While studies have found that there, this is true to the idea that a rebound can help us, it can backfire if the rebound relationship is unsatisfying or the rebound person in question turns out to be a narcissist themselves again. And this is repeti- uh, cognitive repetition. In the later case, it turns out that we grow even more attached to our exes rather than detach if the person we date right after turns out to be a similar pathological type. This is why if you're committed to the idea of a casual agreement, arrangement, I recommend holding off until you've evaluated what your standards are for that arrangement. Even a casual date can be re-traumatizing if the person in question is all too similar to your abuser. can lead to black and white catastrophic thinking about your romantic future. If you've had far too many terrible dates or keep meeting toxic people, it's honestly so much more satisfying to date yourself for a bit. Nourish yourself, treat yourself, celebrate yourself, and reconnect with the beautiful strength you always had. If you have worked on healing and are dating again, learn to trust yourself. Don't approach the task of dating with an with a with a, a goal in mind. Have a neutral blank slate whenever possible. Have no expectation. Don't assume everyone has a conscience either. Assume that they don't unless they've proven themselves. And slow down, you know? Those who are looking to avoid dating narcissists in the future would do well to slow down. Don't let a potential partner sweep you into the fairytale romance that can descend into a nightmare. Instead, get to know them without falling for immediate intimacy, which can trap you into a vicious cycle of trusting someone too early on without knowing anything about them. And the big takeaway here is the truth is they they likely don't know you at all. And if they claim they do in the early stages of dating, it's suspect because that's predator and prey. Remember that you don't know them either. Above all, honor yourself and your instincts. If it's too good to be true, ladies and gentlemen, it usually is. And because we are what we are as survivors, well, the red flags fly by us so quickly that we don't even know what color they are. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today on Red Flags Tell Your Truth. I'm Jesse Bush again. We're going to be doing another podcast in a day or two, and there will be a surprise interview involved. I really hope you can listen to the next episode because uh, you might be surprised. And until then, stay safe and know your self-worth. Self-love, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good weekend.